0: Welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, the Head of Investment Consulting at John Hancock Investment Management. Today is July 21st, 2022, and Matt Miskin and Emily Rowland, our Co-Chief Investment Strategists here at John Hancock, have recently released their Q3 Market Intelligence Report. So I thought it would be a great time to invite them back to the podcast to do a midsummer check-in. Matt, Emily, welcome.
1: Great to be here, John.
0: Thanks for having us. So, Emily, maybe I'll start with you. Like I say, you just released the Q3 version of Market Intelligence. What are the key themes you're focused on this quarter?
1: Yeah, John, we're really excited about this quarter's uh, Market Intelligence Outlook, and we have made some pretty meaningful changes uh, to our views, particularly on the fixed income side. So, you know, usually people think about fixed income as being boring, but we're actually pretty excited about it. This quarter, and really the the key input to our changing views across both equities uh, and bonds is where we are in the economic cycle. And that's really always been critical to our cross asset uh, views and market intelligence. And we look at the conference board's leading economic indicators index as one of the key um, ways to to really identify where we are in the cycle. And as you recall, when the leading indicators are, you know, bottoming and starting to really improve. That's an early cycle period. That's where you really get rewarded for taking a lot of risk in portfolios, uh, allocating to more economically sensitive areas. It's where you might want to overweight stocks. Uh, and when you see the leading indicators decelerating and ultimately you know, looking like they're heading towards a recession, those have been periods that we have pruned risk. We've emphasized uh, more defensive parts of the market. We've looked more opportunistically or more favorably upon bonds. And when we look at the LEI today, uh, it's moving quickly and it's it's decelerating uh, from its peak back in in the spring of 2021. And what's happening really is that you know, we're seeing the removal of ultra accommodative monetary policy, the removal of, you know, warlike stimulus that was implemented or fiscal stimulus that was implemented in response to the pandemic. And, and, the, and those things are now going in reverse. Um, there are some bright spots. You know, we're still seeing, uh, you know, unemployment very low. Consumer spending is holding up OK. But some of the big components of the leading indicators like manufacturing hours and the ISM index of new orders, consumer confidence, you know, those are moving the other way right now. So we do believe that we're not at the recession yet, given those bright spots that we're seeing, but that we are firmly planted here in late cycle territory, which has some pretty key implications across both stocks and bonds.
0: Now, calling bonds boring this year is certainly a misnomer. I certainly know that you and Matt don't consider bonds boring. So, Matt, I'm going I'm to pivot to you. We're looking at this late cycle environment. What does it mean for bonds in people's portfolios?
2: Yeah, thanks, John. And so bonds have have taken it on the chin over the first half of 2022. The Fed has really moved aggressively to raise rates The 10-year treasury yield has nearly doubled over the course of the year, starting at about 1.5%, now about 3%. But these yields have moved up at a time where now these yields could be really attractive for portfolios as the economy slows. So we're looking at investment-grade corporate bonds yielding nearly 5%, mortgage-backed security bonds. Um, nearly 3 to 4%. Uh, treasury bonds, 3%, and even municipal bonds. We don't talk about municipal bonds much, but we've been looking at them more and more attractively here, given where we are in the cycle. They're about 3%. So a lot of these higher quality bond yields have, have moved up. And this is a time where this high quality bond yields could be attractive because... In a time where the economy slows, that's usually a time where the Fed pivots. So they go from raising rates to fight inflation to eventually cutting rates because they need to, because the unemployment rate rises. And in our view, the Fed is going to tap out and raising rates here in the next several months and actually be cutting rates into 2023. So what we're looking to do across our portfolios is increase duration in terms of our views, Uh, from about five years to six years, move away from more credit sensitive and lower credit quality parts of the market like high yield and floating rate and into more core and core plus fixed income. And in our view, those type of returns and what we just had was a big inversion of the yield curve. And that's another late cycle sign that Emily was kind of talking about in those leading indicators. Well, typically after in yield curve inversions, You want to move into the intermediate part of the curve. You want to move into more core, core plus fixed income. And that's one of our highest conviction calls here as we go into the back half of 22 and into 2023. And before I move off
0: fixed income, Matt, uh, maybe you can speak for you and Emily. Where are you in the camp of the next round of rate hikes? 75 basis points, 100. Um, Does it matter if it comes in one or is it more, we're going to have a little bit more rate hike and then it's going to pivot to a, a rate cutting type of cycle?
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're going into next week. Uh, the Fed meeting is, is going to be huge here in July and, and we do believe they're going to, they're going to do 75 basis points after that they could do in September 50, but the bond market's pricing in much more. So the bond price, bond market's pricing in already the 75 basis points next week, already the 50 basis points in September, and then several more rate hikes in November and December. And in our view after September, they're going to pause, and eventually be cutting. The bond market's already pricing in rate cuts in 2023. And in our view, that's a signal that the bond market's telling you that that's gonna be peak rate hikes. I mean, yeah, peak rate hikes. And you actually wanna think about positioning portfolios for the other side of that into 2023 today. Uh, I'm glad you said that, the pricing in component and the fact
0: that you wanna be positioning today for that future, uh, situation is, is, is vital. Emily, I want to come to you based on what you started with and what Matt added to the conversation. How have your views uh, on equities changed in market intelligence?
1: Sure. So when you think about this late cycle period, right now we really are emphasizing, you know, US equities over international equities at the margin here. And the key reason for that is because you're going to get more quality from an index composition standpoint when you own US equities. So, quality to us is really the strong balance sheets, good return on equity, more durable profitability basically owning companies that don't need to you know, tap the capital markets in order to grow. As we know, rates are going up, the cost of capital is becoming more expensive. So we really want to own companies that make money, uh, but we don't want to overpay for them. So when we think about that quality element, um, technology is really sort of the, 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 our favorite sector, uh, for high quality, great return on equity, solid profit margins, great balance sheets, lots of cash on their balance sheets. We also want to think about emphasizing value. Uh, basically, you know, owning companies that, that are not overly uh, extended as far as valuations go, you know, minimizing our exposure to those uh, you know, not unprofitable and more expensive stocks. And then finally, we're adding an element of defense here. So as we move through the economic cycle and as consumer behavior changes, uh, we want to be positioned more defensively. So think about, you know, the fact that we're all feeling, you know, elevated food prices, commodity prices, oil prices, that is changing the mindset of the consumer away from the things that we want uh, more towards the way, the things that we need. So we may be eschewing those, you know, big ticket items, Uh, in favor of continuing to turn the lights on and and turn the water on and take a shower. We're going to continue to do those things, uh, even if we are entering a a late cycle period into a recession. So quality, value, defense, um, finding that more, emphasizing the U.S. equity market a bit more here in order to play those key themes. Uh, We still want to have some international exposure, but we want to be really thoughtful about the way that we're doing it. Um, investing in an index internationally is going to get you uh, just on a, uh, it, again, an index or a passive basis. You're going to get a lot of economic sensitivity, a lot of cyclicality. The two biggest sectors in the MSCI Acquiex US index are financials and industrials. We want to instead emphasize uh, quality and defense internationally by overweighting those same sectors that we like in the US tech. Healthcare, healthcare has got it all. Um, That's our favorite sector uh, as well as utilities. So really being active in the international space uh, and thinking about those factors is really our key thesis here for the back half of the year.
0: Really helpful. Um, The last thing I wanna talk about is if you look at what we've gone through this year, a lot of volatility, tough year. Uh, Matt had said, you know, bonds took it on the chin. Stocks have also had some volatility. It brings up the conversation of, well, what are my other options? And alternatives uh, are popping up in more and more of the conversations that my team's having, and I imagine it's it's happening in your conversations, too. Uh, Matt, alts have been out of favor for the last 10 years, but they're starting to look a little bit more appealing. What are your thoughts um, regarding alternatives in this late cycle environment?
2: Yeah, I think it's really becoming more and more about risk management as we get later in the cycle. And and that's what alternatives in in a broader asset class typically is is all about, right? So you're, you're trying to minimize your beta, you're trying to minimize the standard deviation of the things you're implementing in your portfolio, standard deviation being a measurement of volatility and risk. Beta also being sensitivity to equities, for example. Um, and so you want to find ways to pull that down and, and take less risk as we get later in the cycle. And so um, ideas for us in, in the alternative universe, and it is a broad, broad universe, with a lot of different different options, but infrastructure is one that we continue to like. Uh, hitting on some of those themes Emily was talking about for utility type businesses uh, these are long-lived assets. They've already got the fixed investment there. Um, you know, their pipelines, their toll roads, they they give you essential things. Um, and they have very dependable cash flows. They tend to be not economically sensitive. And they're pretty simplistic in that, you know, it's it, the business model is, and it's not overly complex in terms of its investment strategy, but Um, Infrastructure is probably our highest conviction. Um, Alternative investment strategy today, just because the less economically sensitive nature of them and dependable cash flows. Other things that we're looking at. I mean, there is absolute return, which is obviously going to be lower beta. Uh, it's going to be looking for you know return potential, but managing risk. Um, and there's also multi alternative. You know, I think it, right now one of the things you got to manage is is concentration risk with alternatives. So if you go all in on one single strategy or one single type of alternative strategy, and that goes wrong on you, that can also be an issue. But if you package different alternative strategies in, in one implementation, one, you know, kind of product, if you will, or one, um, you know, strategy, you can have a lot of different things. You could diversify it. So you can have long, short, you can have global macro, you can have, um, you know, absolute return. You put it all together and that can smooth out the ride, but it also achieves those broader goals that you're going to have in alternatives, like taking down standard deviation, taking down beta. So it does achieve those goals, but in a much more diversified manner. So I think our top two would be infrastructure and then diversified multi-strategy type implementations. But both right now, given where we are in the cycle, are becoming more and more compelling for us.
0: So it's the middle of the summer, which is usually a boring time when it comes to our marketplace. But this is not the case this go around. Folks, there's a lot of volatility. We're in a transition period. Matt and Emily shared a ton of great insights on how to manage that. Things that pop up to me are manage risk appropriately, maybe lower the risk in your portfolio, seek out quality, whether it's in stocks or in bonds. Uh, Find good values out there. You may have heard my phone ring halfway through the podcast while people were calling to say, Hey, I want to hear more. So, if you want to get a view into the latest version of Market Intelligence, Matt and Emily's work, you can visit our website, jhinvestments.com. I'll also tell you, we've got a bunch of other great resources on the website around how to manage volatility. What resources are out there in terms of uh, alternatives available? We even have an investment consultant team, my team, that's willing to get on the phone and talk to financial advisors, helping with this volatility. So, Matt and Emily, thank you as always. Uh, one last plug: follow both of them on Twitter at Emily R. Roland and Matthew underscore Miskin. You're going to get great insights from them. They're sharing a ton of great info all the time, folks. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, we'd love to have you. You can do that on any of the places you download your podcast. Uh, And If you have any feedback for us, please reach out to your local John Hancock business consultant and pass along other content you'd like to hear from. Matt, Emily, thanks as always to the audience. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a great summer. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant, and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results, and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.